Thanks so much for listening to the Clifton Church of Christ sermon podcast. We really appreciate you taking the time to listen, and we hope if ever you're in Clifton, Texas, you'll stop by and say hello. We hope you enjoy this sermon. And I have got four sermons that I'm going to preach to you, four sermons in the month of January. And I noticed as I was, frankly, I felt a lot of pressure the last few weeks of what do I want those messages to be about? And I was mapping out the different messages, thinking about what I wanted to say, and I noticed eventually, I noticed that there was a theme throughout all of them. And I think this might be a theme in a lot of my lessons anyway, but the theme was that often we do things or we have things where we, we don't mean to, we, we do it on accident, but we miss the point. We miss exactly what the point is supposed to be. And so for these four sermons, these are all things that I'm passionate about. And in all of them, I think you're going to notice a way in which there's uh, the point, the point that we're supposed to have, and the way that we kind of just miss it. We get off track. And so this week, the point that I'm going to try and get across to you is the fact that we have missed the point of sharing the good news about Jesus because we have made the word mission work something you do for one week in another country, and we've made the word evangelism something that is reserved for paid ministers. So let me say that again. We have, we, we have made the word mission work something that is about a week in a foreign country, and we've made the word evangelism something that is about, well, that's for the paid ministers. And so here is the point, so that you don't miss the point. We are all missionaries and evangelists for as long as we breathe. Every day, everywhere you go, you are a missionary, and you are an evangelist. The word missionary, I, I'm not exactly sure exactly where it came from, but just think of the word to be sent out. And every single day that you live, you have been sent from the moment that you wake up. If, if the second you step out your door, you are sent out into a world that is, as the Bible likes to say, full of darkness, to be a light in the world. By the way, if you live with a family, then you are sent the moment you wake up because you're sent to serve and evangelize to your family as well before you even walk out the door. The word evangelism, it just means to share the good news. And we all know that we're perfectly capable of sharing the good news when we try a new restaurant that we really like. Have you been to that new restaurant? It's great. We have no problem doing that. We have no problem sharing the good news when your team wins the World Series, Butch. We have no problem saying the Rangers won the World Series and sharing that. And yet, uh, sometimes we can, uh, we can make it seem like, well, you know, but an evangelist, I mean, that's, that's for those people that are professionals. I, that's, not, that's not what I do. I'm a, I'm a lawyer. I'm a banker. I'm not an evangelist. And so here's the question I think we ought to ask, is why do we miss the point? Why do we miss this point? And the first one is, I'm not going to spend too much time on this, but sadly, sometimes us ministers can be part of the problem. Sometimes for us ministers, we feel like, well, why did I go through all that you know, Bible college and all that seminary if it didn't make me kind of special to have a special status to be able to, to do this better. I, I know, you know, Tim and I have talked about this. When Tim first moved here as a former preacher, he and I had breakfast and he went out of his way to say, I just hope you never feel like I'm ever trying to step in your way or trying to take over or anything like that. And I said, Tim, I'm not worried about that at all. If ever there's a point at which I think you have a better chance of communicating something to me, I'm going to get you up there every time. Because it's not about me being important. It's about the message. But sadly, us ministers, we do this. There's a lot of stories of churches that feel real uncomfortable by that person who's real smart in class. I'm like, well, 
Are you kind of overstepping on kind of, this is my territory, stay in your lane? Or we can think often of times where uh, there's just a, a feeling of, well, you know what? Clearly, this is supposed to be something that I'm good at, and so that means y'all kind of don't need to be worrying about this because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take care of this. I'm the minister. And I apologize for any time I've ever reinforced that. But you might be thinking, like, so then, wait a second, what is the minister's job? Why, why do we even have you if you're saying we're all capable of being evangelists? Well, in Ephesians 4, Paul puts it like this. He says, So Christ himself, he gave us the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So what is this person's job? It is not to be the only evangelist, the only missionary. It is to equip all of you to do your job as the missionary and the evangelist in our community. So here are some other reasons why we missed the point. One of the reasons why we missed the point is because it's uncomfortable. I think it's easy uh, for us to imagine the fact that if, if I told you to go up to one of your friends, let's say you've had a friend for a really long time, that either is not a Christian or is a cultural Christian, and by that I just mean, you know, they've got, they've got the necklace, they've got the Bible verse on their social media, but they don't actually walk with Jesus at all. And when you picture going up to that person and saying to them something like, hey, I'd love to talk to you about Jesus, it probably makes you a little uncomfortable. It makes you feel a little awkward at the idea of imposing on someone like that, of kind of coming into their space, you know, hey, mind your own business. This is my life. Let me live my life. And the idea of, of going and, and sitting by them and broaching a subject like this is maybe uncomfortable. For some of you, just ordering your food at a restaurant make, make you nervous, might make you uncomfortable. Because it's like, I've got to talk to that person? And the thing that I want you to think about is this. Uh, you don't really have uh, you don't really have much of a choice whether or not we're going to share the news with people because the only reason why the good news and Christ's work continues on is because someone shared it with someone who shared it with someone. The second we start to become people, it's like I don't know. That's kind of an inconvenience that makes me uncomfortable. That's the second that all of this stops happening. I want you to think, this is an analogy that I, uh, I've used many times where Catherine has been a witness to this many times, where whether I'm talking to the guy or the girl, I'll use the girl for example. I remember one of her roommates, we're, sitting, we're standing there in the kitchen, one of her friends, Adrian. This guy from AFC has asked her on a date, and she's just not entirely sure if she actually, like, I don't know, maybe, uh, and this is what I remember saying to her. I would say, okay, worst case scenario, a nice guy has asked you to dinner. And you get to have free food and an enjoyable time. And there's tons of other girls in AFC who would love to just get asked on a date. Okay? Best case scenario, what happens? Y'all get married. Right? Now, they got married. Alright? That's what ended up happening later in the story. But this is kind of how my mind works. There's this sense of, okay, remind me again, what's the worst case scenario that could happen? Okay, that doesn't sound all that bad. Now, what's the best case scenario that could happen? That sounds pretty great, right? And I think the same thing is true when you picture going and sharing with someone about Jesus or their faith. What is the worst thing that could happen to you? If Colton walked up to somebody that he's friends with at MCC and brought up Jesus, what's the worst thing that's going to happen? That they laugh at him? They're like, oh, no thanks. And then he never sees that person again? You know, because they're not living in the same town? Like, that's the worst that could happen. What's the best thing that could happen, though? The best thing that could happen is that that person says, you know what, 
I've always wondered about Jesus. I've always thought maybe I should think more about this. And, and they begin to give their life to learning about Jesus. They begin to see the life that comes from following him. And then they're living in the kingdom of the heavens with us for eternity. Doesn't that sound pretty great to you? The best case scenario is so far above any of your possible uncomfortable worst case scenarios. All right? The second reason why, and this is the biggest reason why I think most of us miss the point of being missionaries and evangelists, is we think that we are unqualified. There is some voice in our head that says, well, I'm not good at speaking. What if I don't know enough? What if they ask me a question about this faith thing or this Bible verse or this whatever? What if I don't know the answer? What if I'm not trained on how to do it? And these are all things that cross our minds. So let me give you a few stories from the Bible that should... uh, help you uh, overcome this feeling. First, in Luke chapter 8, we have this story of Jesus taking the demons out of this demon-possessed man. And it says, So Jesus returned to the boat, and he left, crossing back to the other side of the lake. The man who had been freed from the demons begged to go with him. But Jesus sent him home, saying, No, go back to your family and tell them everything God has done for you. He doesn't say, Here is a book on how to convert people to Christianity. He doesn't give him this long list of here is all that you hear. You got to know the five steps. Here, repent. He doesn't do that. He says, go proclaim what God has done for you. So he went all through the town proclaiming the great things Jesus had done for him. Do you think that this former demoniac was qualified to be an evangelist? It didn't say, well, you know, he left there and then he went to ACU and he got his master's degree. And then he, no. He went and he proclaimed what Christ had done for him. We also have this story in Acts. I actually referenced this last week because this is one of our first examples ever of deacons in the Bible. So the twelve apostles, they called a meeting of all the believers. And they said, we apostles should spend our time teaching the word of God, not running a food program. What I said last week was not waiting on tables. Oh, wait, am I at the right spot? Uh... No, I'm gonna, I, I didn't put the right part. Let me read the top. But as the believers rapidly multiplied, there were uh, num- rumblings of discontent. The Greek-speaking believers complained about the Hebrew-speaking believers, saying that the, their widows, sorry, my eyes aren't as good as they used to be, were being discriminated against in the daily distribution of food. So you've got all these Greek-speaking believers and Hebrew-speaking, and they're saying, listen... All the, the church members are taking care of the Hebrew-speaking believers, and they're, they're ignoring us. And so the twelve get together, and they say, We apostles should spend our time teaching the Word of God and not running a food program. And so, brothers, select seven men who are well-respected and are full of the Spirit and wisdom. We will give them this responsibility. Then we apostles can spend our time in prayer and teaching the Word. Everyone liked this idea, and they chose the following. Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. Philip, Procurius, Nicanor, Timon, uh, Perminus, and Nicholas of Antioch, an earlier convert to the Jewish faith. All right. Now, the reason I underlined for you Stephen and Philip, does anybody remember a famous section a, a few chapters later in Acts where Stephen preaches a pretty famous sermon? Right? He's about to be stoned, and he proclaims one of the longest sermons that we have in all of Acts. Well, wait a second. I thought this guy was the guy that's for running the food program. He's not an evangelist and a missionary. No. Just because he got designated to serve as the food program guy does not mean he is incapable of proclaiming Jesus Christ. And what about Philip? Does 
anybody remember a story about Philip and an Ethiopian eunuch? As he's going along the road, this Ethiopian eunuch comes by and says, I wish someone could explain this Isaiah. Is it Isaiah or Ezekiel? I wish someone could explain this to me. And he doesn't go, well, sorry, I'm, I'm not one of the twelve. I'm not a professional. I'm just Philip, the food program guy. You're going to have to call somebody else. Here, wait just a second. Let me, let me call my preacher. What does he say? He says, let me tell you about this. Let me show you Jesus in this passage. And then he baptizes him. He, he's a missionary. They're both evangelists and missionaries. Not because like, oh, well, you know, these two are the best of the deacons. No, because that's what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Everywhere, every day, you are a missionary and an evangelist. The last story that I want to reference... I don't have a a scripture for it up there. But we know the story of, and if you aren't familiar, there's a story where Jesus says to the disciples, let's feed all these thousands of people. And the disciples say, how are we going to do this? And this boy walks up and he says, I've got five loaves and two fish. And Jesus is able to feed thousands of people. And it's very easy, it would have been very easy for this young boy to go, well, there's no way I can do this because all I have is five loaves and two fish. There's no way I can give all this food, so I'm going to not do anything. And yet, the moral of the story is, Jesus is able to take his meager offering and say, thank you for bringing this because I can do something with this. You might be sitting there whenever you have moments of wishing you could evangelize. Maybe you have a coworker that you've always thought, I wish I could tell them about Jesus. I just can't, though. I'm not qualified. And Jesus would say, what can you do, though? What do you bring? What do you have? Well, I have this, but that's not going to be enough. I have this, but I make a mean roast, but that's not going to be enough. I make a, you know, well, guess what? Take that and bring that, and you'll be amazed at what I can do with what you bring. Does that make sense? All right, so the next reason why we, don't, uh, why we miss this point is because we are, I had to settle for the word unappreciative. I don't really like it, but I was trying to keep up with the uns, you know. That's a very, you know, kind of got to keep that going. But what the point I, I kept thinking about over and over is, if I realize and grasp just how big a deal it is that I was dead and that now I'm alive, I'm going to tell people about it. I was thinking it'd be, like if, it'd be like if Catherine discovered that if you take like gasoline and rub it on the back of your baby's head before they sleep, that they'll sleep for 20 hours. Do you think she would tell everybody in the whole world like, hey, you want to know the way to get your little baby to sleep for 12 hours? You just take some... Like, she's not going to keep that to herself. She's going to tell everybody. When her friends go, oh, my baby just won't sleep, she's not going to go... Oh, well, I know the secret, but uh, I'm not telling you, you know? My baby's going to sleep. Your baby's going to be miserable. No. She's going to think, I have this unbelievable thing, and I'm going to tell you. And so when we have people say to us things about their life, and, and we have these opportunities every day to share Jesus with them, part of me kind of wants to imagine... If you don't think Jesus is the answer for them, then you probably don't exactly appreciate what Jesus has done for you. Let me say that again. If you don't think Jesus is the the hope that could fill their void in their life, if you don't think Jesus could bring life to them, "Ah, I don't know if I want to bring up Jesus. Uh, That's kind of uncomfortable. Then I don't think you fully grasp and appreciate who Jesus is and what he's done for you. I think if all of us have a struggle, like I do, of of saying, like, I just want to talk to you about Jesus. Can I share Jesus with you? It probably is more an indictment on me than anything else that I don't give enough credit to just how much Jesus is the only reason for why we do anything. 
He's the source of every good thing that we have. And if I just start thinking like, well, you know, it'd probably be nice if you went and exercised. It'd probably be nice if you went and ate better. It'd probably be nice if you knew Jesus. Then I've turned Jesus into just another thing that's going to make your life a little bit better and a little helpful. That is not what Jesus is. That underappreciates the fact that Jesus is the hope. He is the answer. He is the great I am. He is all of, the, all of your insecurities, all of your, your hopes and dreams all culminate in what Jesus can bring into your life. You were dead and now you're alive. Do you appreciate that? Then I think it's pretty simple that we're going to tell people. I have to admit that part of the reason why this sermon has been on my heart, and I've, I've wondered about sharing this or not, but I'm, I'm going to. Part of the reason why this sermon has been on my heart is because before I came to this church, I interviewed at a lot of churches to be their preacher. And there was a theme throughout a lot of churches where I'd go and they would be like, man, our youth group is a mess. You know, are you going to be able to fix that? Oh, man, we've got this problems over here. Are you going to be able to fix that? Are you going to? And I constantly would walk away going, Catherine, I feel like they kind of are expecting me to be like the source of whether this church is going to make it or not. And then I drive here on a Tuesday night. Seth had a basketball game that night. I remember it was raining. Drive through, get here in town in the parking lot. We're having our meeting. Um, Anna Marie says, wow, you look better than in your picture in the resume. And I remember, actually, I think it was more this. Whew, thank goodness you look better than your picture in the resume. But, and I remember us talking, and I remember leaving, feeling this sense of, this church is good. This church is not needing the preacher to come in and take this dead thing and make it have purpose. This church seems to actually be doing great without me. And I'm going to just come in and help. And every time I see that Thanksgiving meal that we do, I always tell Catherine, every church I worked at before, they never could do anything without all the ministers being the champions of that thing. And the, the reason why, well, we're going to do this because all of us ministers are going to get it and we're going to drag you along to help us with it. And here, I don't do a thing with that Thanksgiving meal. I show up and I try to be a good person. Try to be kind to everybody. I don't plan it. I don't organize it. I don't get anything ready. The VBS. Yeah, sure, I help. I sing some songs. I don't run the VBS. This message is important to me. And the reason I wanted to bring it up is when you have a church that rises and falls based on the preacher, that's not a church. This is a body of Christ. And the Constantly in the Bible, it talks about how each and every one of you is an essential part of that body. And that also means that whenever one pinky of the body leaves, yeah, it, it, it impacts it. But it's not going to kill it. The only thing that will kill the body of Christ is when what leaves? When the head, Jesus Christ, leaves that. Are you with me? And so this is why I wanted to share this with you. If you think that the, the life of this church depends on who the preacher is, this church is in trouble. But thankfully, we're not in trouble because each and every one of you are the missionaries and evangelists just as much as this person is. This person's job is to equip you to go do that and to go serve out in your community. And I, I, one of the things I keep thinking about, I've said this to Colton before, I've said it to anybody who's ever been a youth intern, I've said, it is very important that you work hard on your lessons. It's very important that when you go into class on Wednesday night, on Sunday morning, that you do your best. But when I think of all the lessons I've taught when I was a youth minister, they, I maybe get one or two of them referenced back to me. Maybe. How many? I, I probably taught hundreds of lessons. And they don't remember the lessons. But what they remember is the type of person that I was and the way that I loved them. And the same is true with the preacher and with y'all. 
I think about, yeah, I'm, I hope I've preached some good sermons, but they are nothing. A hundred of my sermons is nothing compared to what Terry Wells has done in this community. A hundred of my sermons is nothing compared to what Wilda Fowler has done in our community. A thousand of my sermons is nothing compared to all the teachers and coaches who have said, I am going to work in a job that's very thankless and probably not paid near as enough so that these children can have at least one person in their life that they know loves them. Does that make sense? This is why this is on my heart, because this church is in great shape. And I do think this is something that's important to be said. Something that's very important uh, that I want you to hear. I love the phrase, it's from St. Francis, where he says, Preach the gospel at all times. You've heard this before. Preach the gospel at all times, and if necessary, use words. Have you heard that before? It's a good one. If you haven't, remember it. And I believe that the way that we live in this community, each and every one of you, that is the gospel message being proclaimed. That is the mission work of Jesus being done in our community. But I also have to tell you this. You do need to use words. If I heard a preacher say it like this one time. Imagine he had a neighbor. He said, imagine if I have a neighbor, and every day me and my wife, we go over there and we cook them food, and we do their lawn, and when they're sick, we take care of them, and we do all that, and then they die. Maybe what we've, we've shown them the love of Christ, but we've also shown them that the gospel is just about doing good things and being a good person. And that's great, but that is not enough. Because the gospel is that Jesus Christ is Lord. The gospel is that you were dead and now you're alive if you believe and have a relationship with Jesus. Having a relationship with lots of good things and good acts is nice. Faith without works is dead. But it is not... It does not replace the fact that each and every one of us have to learn how to say to someone, do you believe in Jesus? Or maybe say to someone, hey, can I pray for you? Or maybe say to someone, hey, what is your walk with Jesus like? Or say to someone, hey, have you ever... All the different things that we can say where we do need to be able to speak the words to people, Jesus is the hope that I have. Jesus is the reason why I have purpose in my life. So now let me just try and say before we're done, this is the point. Because the the sermon I'm trying to get you to do is to not miss the point. So here is the point. You are a missionary. You are an evangelist. And it starts right now. And I would challenge you to think of one person in your life. Just think for a second of one person that is someone that you think, I really wish this person, they might come with me to Edge, they might come with me to D-Now, but do they really know Jesus? And I want you to pray about that person and pray about a way that you can evangelize and be a missionary to that person. And if that makes you uncomfortable, it might be because you think you're unqualified and it might be because you're unappreciative. I have another friend who would tell you it might be because you're disobedient. But I believe that we are called to remember this goal of Jesus. That Jesus didn't come and say, I am, I'm going to stay here forever because I'm the only one who can share the message. No. Jesus said, it's better for you that I go. Paul didn't go to these churches and say, well, I can't go to Ephesus because, you know, Galatia needs me so much. No. It was to constantly say, I am equipping you and God's giving you his spirit so that every single where you go, the mission and the work of Jesus is going to continue. And the good news is, in Matthew 25, he tells us that remember, as you're going into all the world to do this, he is never going to leave you. And his spirit is always going to give you what you need to accomplish it. If any of you have any prayer requests or anything at this time, I encourage you to come while we stand and sing.